Okay, we are, we're still in the Attributes of God series, and I'm not going to go through each one of them uh, that we've covered so far, but they are up on your screen. You can see them, and you can take a picture if you haven't been here uh, to see some of these. But this really is something that I, it was on our heart to talk about and to teach on, because when we know who God is, when we go through circumstances and we go through situations, and life, how many know life happens? I see those bumper stickers all the time. I think they say something else a lot of the times, but we won't say that four-letter word. But they, though some of them say, life happens. Yeah, life happens. You're just like, yeah, it does, because I was doing this, and then all of a sudden something changed. All of a sudden I got a doctor's report. All of a sudden I got into a fender bender. All of a sudden this and this. And the Bible tells us in this world we will have tribulation. And I know for me, like, I'm shocked every time something like that happens. I'm like appalled. And part of it is a, is a righteous indignation because I'm like, uh-uh, Satan, if this is from you, I don't think so in Jesus' name. I will take my believer's authority in a heartbeat and say, uh-uh, sickness, you need to go. Uh-uh, might have supernatural safety and protection in Jesus' name. Brother Charles was just telling me about a flight that he had coming back from California. And the, the, uh, the stewardess... Uh, she was on the thing going, everybody sit down, put your seatbelts on, there's going to be major turbulence, this plane could fall out of the sky at any moment, everybody sit down, and he's sitting on the plane going, I don't think so, I don't think so, I am a believer, and I'm taking my believer's authority, in fact, I've been praying, as you said, I've been praying for this flight, And in the name of Jesus, there'll be no turbulence, and we will not go through major storms, and we're going to land perfectly fine. And guess what? There he is, perfectly fine. He said there was a little, ooh, (laughs) you know? That was it. That's the, ooh, a little, yeah, right. (laughs) That's the extent of the turbulence. So this righteous indignation, sometimes, you know, we step, what, are you kidding me? I don't think so in Jesus' name. But then there's the world that we live in. Oh my gosh, I got a cold. Sometimes every cold you get is not necessarily from the devil. It's because we live in a fallen world and there's germs and there's sickness out there. But then we need to know as believers what to do about it and how to handle it and how to walk in faith through it. And I believe that this whole series is all about understanding who God is and that he is good and he is faithful and he is merciful and he's provider and protector and he's all these things and we can trust him all the time. All the time he is good, and we can trust him. And so the Lord has really led us to this attribute number 17, which is God is healing. He is healing. He is healing. You know, it's like, what are you saying that God, God, God is a healer? Well, yeah, but God, his presence, who he is, is actually healing. It's who he is. It's part of his DNA. It's part of these other attributes. And the beautiful thing about all of these attributes is they all work together. One doesn't, like, negate another one. One doesn't, you know, he's not walking in justice one time, but then not work, and so he's not working in mercy. He is working in all of the things, all of the time. And our little minds, our carnal minds, cannot comprehend that. And guess what? We can't because we are not God. And even though we're creating his image, we are not God. He is the all-powerful. How many of you are omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent? <laughs> yeah, no, of course you're not. Come on. We're all, I mean, we are all, we're sinners saved by grace. And, I, and when we say that, we have to realize that we were sinners, and now we are saved by grace, and our identity, because of God, because of who he is, is no longer a sinner. Church, we have to recognize there's this separation between us being a sinner and now that we are saved by grace, we are now stepping outside of that. It doesn't mean that we don't ever sin anymore. It means that that's no longer our identity. And when God sees us and he looks at us, he sees us through the blood of Christ and the blood that was shed on the cross. And because he sees us like that, he sees us as spotless. He sees us as clean. He sees us as pure. No matter what you just did in the secret and the dark place. And we have to recognize that. Mm, That's not in the notes. Okay. God is healing. And so last week, let me just start with this verse. Matthew 9, verse 35. It says this. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, and here's what he did. So this verse happens in multiple times all throughout the Gospels. It continues to talk about Jesus' ministry. So if Jesus 
is God incarnate, fully God, fully man, on this earth walking around. And his verbiage was, I will only do and I will only say what I've seen the Father do and say. So we got to believe that Jesus' life and motto on this earth was a representation of who God is. And so here's what Jesus did. He went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Everyone. He didn't, there was, every means every, right? It's not like, well, everyone, but if you look at it in the Greek, it really meant like most of them. No. It means everyone, which means Jesus was anointed by God that God wants to heal every disease. And because God is healing, the healing is available to us on this earth and then ultimately when we meet him in heaven. And the ultimate healing, the perfection of our bodies. How many of you know that your body is not perfected yet? How many of you woke up and was just like, hmm, <laughs> like what was that? What happened yesterday? What did I do? I mean, Saturday morning, I woke up, so we had summer nights on Friday nights, and I decided to bring some wiffle ball equipment. And not a lot of people played, but I was out there trying to hit this wiffle ball as hard as I humanly possibly could. And those who was out there, I don't know, Adam's not here, but some of you guys are watching me, Mike uh, Donnie, who was there. I mean, I was throwing this, I mean, I was swinging with every bit and fiber of my being. I'm throwing, boom, and I'm watching this ball go, and I'm like thinking, hey, this is no problem. This is a really good time. Saturday morning, I woke up. And I was like, what on earth? What happened? And then the Lord reminded me. "Is like, do you remember the ridiculous swinging of that bat you were doing for like 45 minutes at summer nights? I'm, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not like socializing. I'm just, I'm going to hit this ball as hard as I possibly can. I just got focused on it. I don't know how many. I probably swung 100 times. And then I was sore, but it reminded me that my body is not perfected. Even though God is a healer, I'm still aging. And the beautiful part is, is when we get to heaven, when he gives us a new body and he creates all things new, he becomes, again, the ultimate healer of our physical bodies. And the way God heals is he heals first spiritually. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, your spirit, man, is completely made whole, cleansed, and holy. There is no more default in it. Your spirit, man, is now perfectly healed and whole. And then as a Christian, as you all know, then we walk through this working out our salvation every day, working out the sanctification, the renewing of our mind, right? And the transforming of our soul, which we work on, and we work on, and we work on, do we not? And it's just like, man, will I ever get there? No, you won't ultimately ever get there until we get to heaven. And the same thing with our bodies. God does it, and he begins to work healing, and he gives us supernatural strength, and he does miracles and workers, but eventually, God is healer. And you will be 100% completely whole in your spirit and then also in your mind and also in your body when we get to heaven. Hallelujah. But while we're here, we have tribulation. But take heart, church, for Jesus has overcome. He has overcome. So last week we began to look at some of the ways that God heals. And there was, there was like 14 ways that I have found that God heals. Uh, so if you weren't here last week, you can maybe take a picture of that. I don't have any handouts. But the first one was when standing on his word. And we know that when we stand on his word, God, God moves on his word. His word doesn't return void. How many of you know that? So when you speak his word over a situation, you read his word over a situation, if that word is like a sharp two-edged sword and it's going out to pierce and to do the things that it's supposed to go do and healing is in God's word we begin to speak that healing over our life and we begin to stand on that word and God begins to move and work in our lives and bring healing and I'm not talking just about physical healing I want you to know that. I'm talking about emotional healing mental healing and physical healing all of it two when we believe in faith God moves and heals. We looked at a scripture and a story in the Bible there. When we accept his forgiveness, when standing in faith uh, for someone else, number five was when using the prayer of faith and agreement. 
And we began to talk about that at the end of service last week. And then we, really, we didn't get much into number six, and I'm not going to go back to that. When someone has a healing anointing, and I want you guys to understand that there are spiritual gifts that God has given the church. There are spiritual gifts. And if you look at them, there's nine specific ones of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians. And there's power gifts, there's speaking gifts, there's uh, like discernment gifts, uh, you know, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, uh, gifts of miracle, gifts of fame. There's gifts plural, of healing. Gifts of healing. And he has anointed certain people with an anointing to pray for and to see healing in certain areas. So that's one of the ways God heals. And then when in God's presence, and we saw at the end of last service last week for those who were here and those who came up for prayer in God's presence, praying the agreement of faith with somebody else, God did miraculous things at the end of last service last week. And so we're super thankful for that. Well, today I want to start with number eight. Number eight is God heals when the Holy Spirit leads us to make a change. Come on, everyone's like, oh man, a change? You mean, not, you mean God is asking me sometimes to change things? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And most of the time, what we want when we come up here, me included, we come up to the altar and we say, Lord Jesus, please heal me instantaneously, miraculously right now. And then it doesn't happen exactly that way. Come on, right? We do it. And he does do that many times. We've seen, we've seen miracles in this church that God has done it. He has done miraculous healings of elbows, of throats, of jaws, of fingers, of hips, of feet, of all the things. Instantaneously. Absolutely amazing. But sometimes he doesn't do it that way because he doesn't want you to stay where you are sometimes. Sometimes he's saying the Holy Spirit is nudging you to make a change in your life. And until you make that change, healing will not come. And many of us are like, man, I don't want to change. I just want God to do it supernaturally right away. Please, Lord. Like, I don't want to go through the pain of changing. But what he knows, what God knows, what we need to understand is he sees the end from the beginning. He knows where you're at. He knows the future. He's already in tomorrow. And he's saying, son, daughter, you have to begin to change this in your life, and he's nudging you and leading you. And he's not going to come supernaturally swing in and heal something when he wants something to change. Why? Because then you won't change it. Like, oof, that was easy. I'm going to keep on living the way I've been living. But he might be nudging you to change something in your life, to start doing something, to stop doing something. Whatever it is, you know it. I don't know what it is in your life, but you know what God is calling you to do and to make a change. In the scripture, I look at this. This is Acts 9, verse 17 which I find amazing. This is, this is Saul before he became Paul, and he was on the road, and he had, had Jesus, really, a Jesus encounter. Talk about having a change. The Holy Spirit wanted to change him. And if you notice, he wasn't changed immediately. I mean, he was, but then he actually went blind, and he couldn't see. And it took a couple days, and then what God did was this. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit then began to infuse and indwell inside him and immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. You see, the Holy Spirit had a work in not just the Jesus encounter, then the Holy Spirit had a work in his life. And how about the transformation from persecuting Christians and throwing them in jail to then writing two-thirds of the New Testament that we're, that we're reading? You talk about a Holy Spirit transformation moment. God, the healer, orchestrated and worked that and took someone who was persecuting the church, persecuting God's people, he said, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. And begin to transform his life. So if you're here this morning, you think, God cannot use me. I'm too far away from God. I've done so. I can't be healed anymore. Well, guess what, church? If you're, you can be healed. You can be transformed. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you can have a road to Damascus experience when your life is forever changed and your trajectory is ever changed because of an encounter with God's healing power. Number nine, when elders lay hands on the sick. We had an opportunity this week to do that with someone. It was a joy. It was a blessing. The elders gathered around some. We would lay hands on them, and they were healed in Jesus' name. 
says in James 5, if anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. If anyone's cheerful, let him sing psalms. If anyone among you is sick, let him call on the elders of the church. Not just physically sick, but there's emotional torment and anxiety and fear and challenges and all this stuff that is stirred up in the world and through sin and through all these things. And let the elders, let them pray over him, anointing him or her with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And this last one says that if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Which means the next one, number 10, is if we confess our sins. Do you know that there is healing power? God heals through our confession of our sins. You know, when you keep something in darkness, when you keep something hidden, and you've, I mean, I love my, I won't mention which child of this uh, this is a story of, but it just came to my remembrance. Uh, there, it was two of the girls, which will be impossible for you to understand, pick up, because we've got seven of them, so you can pick two of them. But one of them was a little bit edgy and mean to another one earlier that day. And she went through the whole day, and it was just on the inside. It was on the inside of her. And we didn't see a physical change in her. Like, she wasn't acting necessarily any different. We didn't pick it up or discern it, but it was on the inside. And it was late at night. We were watching the TV show, and here, all of a sudden, Liz and I are in bed, and we're just laying there, and... Yes? <laughs> you know, when we get the knock with the kids visiting us in, at, late at night. Yes. And in walks this young girl, and she just starts bawling. And she just starts crying. She said, Mom and Dad, I said today, I was so mean to my sister. I feel terrible about it. And she began to confess that sin. And you could see the countenance on her face begin to change. And the healing power of God begin to rest on the inside of her as she released this thing that she had done and as she confessed it. And we prayed with her and we said, baby, tomorrow I want you to go to this other sister and I want you to ask them for forgiveness. And I want you to say that you were sorry for doing ask them for forgiveness. And then it's done. And then put it away. It's over. And it was such a beautiful representation of a little child coming and seeing that. But yet as adults, how many of you are going around confessing your sins one to another? You're like, man, people, well, yeah, my hand is up. Because I, if there's healing available and it means confessing sins, then I'm about to be a confessor. You know, and we think and we look and we see, oh, is this like a Catholic thing? Is it like the Catholic church? Do I have to go to a priest? Do I have to go into this thing? What do I have to go do? No, it says confess your sins one to another. You don't have to call me to go confess your sins. You can call a fellow believer up and say, you know what, man? I'm really struggling with this. I have been failing in this area. I've been addicted to this. I've been watching this. I've been doing this. I've been having this. I've been smoking this. I've been whatever it is. And you begin to confess. And I'm telling you, that healing power of God begins to break free and begins to open up pathways in your life for wholeness, forgiveness, and healing. And as adults, it's like, man, we get too proud. We get to, wow, you know, or man, I just don't want to do that, or I'm embarrassed by it. You know what? The enemy wants you to be embarrassed by it. You know, I went to this pastor's conference, and we all start sharing some of our struggles. And what I realized real quick is, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one that struggles with this. And believe me, the enemy wants you to keep you quiet. Do not confess your sins. Keep them in the darkness because he knows there'll be no healing and all it will be is this condemnation and he'll just be able to push on you and push on you and make you feel worse and bad about yourself. And sickness, physical sickness, begins to take root in your body and you just start to crumble and fall because there's a sin in your life and you just need to confess it. So I expect a lot of text messages, phone calls this afternoon, not to me, or you can to me, I don't care. But we have to begin to confess our sins. Look what the Bible says. Look what it says. It says it right here. Confess your trespasses one to another. Confess and then pray for one another. 
You confess, say, I'm struggling with this. And most of the time, when you go and the, the Spirit leads you on who to confess to and talk to, most of them are like, yeah, man, I struggle with that too. You're like, what? You mean you? I mean, you come to church and your shirt's all tucked in and you look all good and like there's nothing wrong and like everything's perfect? You mean, yeah, not everything's perfect. I'm with you. I'm just, I'm human. You're human. And we need to stop hiding our sins because it's leading to death. And we start confessing our sins and it leads to life and it leads to wholeness and it leads to healing. And God wants us, to, wants us to see that happen in our lives. Number 11, when we speak words of confession and healing. Come on, Brother Paul. Can I get an amen? When we speak words of confession and healing. Do you know that life and death are in the power of our tongue? I feel like each one of these could be a separate message. But I'm just doing like a condensed version of all these here. When we speak confession and healing over our life, you know we have what we say. And we begin to speak either life or death over our circumstance, over our situation, over our bodies. I know that there was a study where they took two plants. And they put them in the same amount of sun, fed them the, fed them the same amount of water and nutrients. And, and they would go and they would speak death to one plant. Come on. And they would speak life to the other plant. Do you know that other plant died? Come on. It's a living thing, and it died because someone was speaking death over it. It was setting a destiny over that plant. And you think, oh, that's kind of silly. Well, how many of us are speaking death over our children? Oh, they're this or that. They're such a troublemaker. They're terrible. They're horrible. Here comes trouble. Oh, man. I walk around stores, and I'm just like, I'm trying to, like, I need to start wearing earplugs. Because I cringe and how people are talking to each other. How people are talking to their children. I just want to shake them. Like, do you know what you're saying is exactly what you're going to have? If you're saying, here comes trouble, then trouble will be coming. But if you can say, man, this child is a blessing. This child, we, I know the sweet Eva story. I've said that before. When you begin to speak over your children, over your marriage, over your family, over your jobs, over your bosses, you begin to speak life and blessing over your plane rides from California coming in, you begin to confess that God begins to move. Because there's power in this tongue. You've got power and you can wield it for good or for bad. Our choice. One of the ways God heals is when we speak, this is a principle of his, when we speak words, confession, and healing. I'm going to skip those scriptures for now. I've got to keep moving. Number 12. Remember I said I used to have 10, now i got 14. I used to think God only healed 10 ways, and now it's 14. And growing. And growing. God heals in so many ways. When using the believer's authority. Man, if you've been part of our church for any more than, than the past year, you've heard the whole series on the Believer's Authority. We did it for a long time. I'm not going to go back and do it. But what I will tell you is that God has endued a power to us. And he's delegated a power to us from on high. He's backing it. His power delegated to us. And he is calling us to use our Believer's Authority and to take charge and authority over certain situations and circumstances. And, and it says, Surely, Matthew 18, Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Those are words of a believer saying, You know what? This thing has to go in Jesus' name. That's not a confession anymore. Not, that's not saying, I'm, I will be healed in Jesus' name. This is saying, no, this sickness, you are calling something out from the spirit, in the spiritual realm. There are, two, there are two realms here, right? we got the spiritual realm and the physical realm, and there's a battle in the spiritual realm going on all the time. The Bible says it's more real than this physical realm that we're, that we're looking at. It's more real. It's actually real. It's happening. There's a battle between good and evil and life and death and light and darkness and all these things. And we have to take our believer's authority and begin to speak in the spiritual realm saying, I bind that in Jesus' name. And that sickness has to go. That anxiety has to go in Jesus' name. That fear has to go in Jesus' name. And we see that God uses that as one of the ways that he heals. Worship team, if you want to come back up here. Number 13 is when we take communion. I think this is kind of a little known thing, or it's not taught on all that much, and I mentioned a couple weeks ago, 
Brother Paul and I had a discussion about it afterwards. And I think too many people are missing and too many people are partaking in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ in communion and not understanding really what's happening. And they're not taking it the correct way. And I want to read something out of 1 Corinthians 11. It says, but let a man examine himself. And I want us to examine ourselves this morning. Even before we come up to the table of communion. Examine your heart. Is there something that needs confessed? Is there something that needs changed? Is there words or confession that you're speaking that's death and needs to change towards a confession of life? Let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and the drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. Judgment to yourself. Not discerning the Lord's body. Not coming to this table and understanding that this, his body broken, his blood shed for the forgiveness of my sins. That I am choosing to follow him. I am choosing to make changes in my life. I'm choosing a different path than the whole rest of the world is on. I'm choosing a different way. And I'm understanding and I'm saying, Lord, seek my heart. Lord, shine your light into the dark places of my life. Because I don't want to live this way anymore. And then verse 30 says this, For this reason, if we don't come to the table correctly, and we just do it out of routine, we just do it out of ritual every Sunday, get my elements, sit down, oh, they're taking forever. Is this juice going to spill? My goodness, why do they fill it up so high? Is this even a cracker? What is this thing? So small, you drop it in your lap, you can't find it. Then you bend over and you spill the juice. And all of a sudden, you're so distracted, you don't even know what's going on. But today, church, I don't want us to be distracted. Today, church, I want us to come to the table, understanding his body was broken, his blood was shed, I want us to discern and ask the Lord. Search my heart, O Lord. What is it? What is it that's blocking the blessing, the healing? More of you in my life. And before we take communion this morning, we're going to lay that down. We're going to lay it down before him. We're going to confess to him. I'm not going to ask you each to come up here and whisper in my ear, some confession. We're going to come and get your elements. You're going to go back to your seat. And we're going to take a moment and we're going to examine our hearts. It says, this is the reason many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Wow. I don't want to be weak. I don't want to be sick, and I certainly don't want to go to sleep, meaning end my time here on earth. And I don't want that for any of you. And I believe the Lord heals through this communion table. When we recognize the price he paid. And I want to share with you today that this communion table are for those who believe. If you are not yet a believer, if you have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I implore you, do not come up and get elements today. But I implore you to come up after service and get prayer and to change the trajectory of your life forever. And I'll even take communion with you then, afterwards. But the Bible says, do not take communion if you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. And when we do that, it's actually binding us up with sickness, weakness, disease, and death. Wow. And before we come up, the last one, I promise I won't leave you hanging on number 14. I've already mentioned it. When we reach heaven. 
God's ultimate healing when we reach heaven. Completely whole, completely made new. Revelation 21 says, And he who sat on the throne, behold, I make all things new. Completely restored. Completely whole. So stand with me, church. What I want us to do, those who have been here before, understand the process. You guys are going to come down these aisles. You're going to get your communion elements. You're going to circle back to your seats. Gluten-free plates are in the middle, the little plates in the middle. I want you to come and get your elements, and we're just going to take a few moments. We're going to take a few moments and examine our hearts this morning. And we're going to confess to him. We're going to open up the places that we've been kept hidden for weeks or months or years. And I believe that God's healing power will begin to flow in your life. And then we're going to worship him. We're going to do one song at the end here. It's called King of Kings. We're just going to worship him. So come and get your communion elements this morning. As we prepare to take communion, I just wanted to share with you this morning, one of our daughters came up and said, Mommy, my tummy hurts. It hurt all night. And this little one, her tummy has been hurting. And I said to her, listen, kiddo, I was like, you need to stand and at some point, you're going you're gonna to have to get fed up with it, and you're going to you're gonna have to say no. You're going to have to say no in the name of Jesus. Because there's no, you know, I'm a mom. I've explored the options. Is it this? Is it that? Is it this? I've done all kind of the due diligence. And in the end, girl, you're just going to have to put an end to this in Jesus' name. And then I said to her, I said, listen, on Friday night, after summer nights, it's like everyone was asleep. I said, and mama was hurting. I was not feeling well. And I had to go downstairs to get what we call the pukey bucket. And I brought it back up and I was in pain. And on the way up the steps, I remembered a meeting that we had had earlier that day where we encouraged someone who had come to us, the elders for prayer, and we had encouraged that person and said, if you resist the devil, he will flee. He has to book it. It's not flee like... It's run. When we resist, he must flee. He doesn't have an option. He must flee. So I was sharing the story with her. I said, listen, mom didn't feel well. I actually had to go get the pukey book, which they all know is very serious. (laughs) It just doesn't happen. Um, And I said, but on the way up the steps, I said, out loud, out loud. I said, Satan, I resist you in the name of Jesus, and you've got to go in Jesus' name. That's all I did. And I went upstairs and I curled in a ball and I just kept watching TV. Everyone's asleep. And within five minutes, the pain in my stomach began to resolve itself in a particular way. It just began to resolve itself. And she's like, (laughs) how do I share this? She was like, well, mom, when my tummy hurts, I try to curl up in a ball and I try, I try to make that, I try to feel better in that way. I try to make that happen. I try to feel better. I was like, you're not hearing me. Mm. I was like, I curled up in a ball and it began to resolve itself because I resisted the enemy in Jesus name. Don't try baby girl. This is what I told her. She's little. Don't try to do what I did. Don't try to do that thing. You need resist and say no in Jesus name. I was like, and that's how it worked for, that's how it happened in that situation. But do you see how she tried to latch on to the solution, the practical, oh, if I curl up in a ball on my left side, then my stomach pain will resolve itself. She missed the point. No, I resisted the devil in Jesus' name. And he, 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 he left. And then just led of the Holy Spirit, do this, do that. What he led me to do might not be what he leads her to do. So church, as we take communion this morning, this is the real deal. This, this is real stuff. You know, at the end of the last sermon series, we sat up here and told stories. I've got a story probably for each one of these. Testimony. So let's, let's get before the Lord this morning. And let's discern his body and blood. Not as a matter of routine. Like, oh, every time you have a tummy ache, you curl in a ball on your left side. It's missing the point. 
This isn't a matter of routine. This is standing. This is receiving. This is believing. This is calling it ours. Everything accomplished at the cross. This is standing in the believer's authority. I feel like if I had the list of 14 things, oh my gosh, it's it's right here. If I had it listed right in front of me, it's a summary, it's right here. I feel like every one of these things, this is standing on the word. This is believe communing. This is believing in faith. This is accepting forgiveness. This is standing in faith. This is ushering in God's presence. This is surrendering to him as he seeks to make changes in our hearts. This is surrendering our will. This is confessing our sins. This time of communion, this is confessing our sins. This is never just routine. I want to give everyone just an opportunity, a minute to reflect, to reflect on his body broken, his blood shed, the price paid on the cross for me, for you, for the forgiveness of sins. Just thank him for it this morning. Lord, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. You would love us so much. You would lay down your life for us to make a way to be with you for all of eternity. We thank you for what everything that the cross means. Forgiveness, healing, restoration, wholeness, Now let's just take a moment and examine our hearts, church. Examine your heart this morning. Not your neighbor's heart, not your spouse's heart. Examine your own heart today. There's something that you know is not aligned with him, is not right in your life. Now is the time to confess. Now is the time just to pray to him right now. No one's listening. No one's trying to hear what someone else is saying. Just begin to confess to him. Lord, I give this to you. Lord, I repent and I turn from this sin, from this thing in my life, whatever it might be. Just take a moment and do that today. also a time to rejoice a time to thank him a time to worship him say thank you Lord for the forgiveness of my sins thank you Lord for healing me in every way we begin to rejoice for what he has done for us praise Bible says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. He had given thanks, he broke, and he said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake.
In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake. Church, stand with me. We're going we're gonna to worship him. The song is called King of Kings. And I'm going to encourage you, listen to me guys as you're standing up. If you want to see God do a miraculous work in your life, because I know that's me. If you walked in here this morning and saying, God, I need you. I need you to move in this area. I need you to help me in this area. Maybe it's a physical issue. Saying, Lord, I just need your healing touch this morning. I would encourage you that as we sing this song, King of Kings, that you come up here. Just make your way to the front and just begin to worship him. And let the Lord do what only the Lord can do. Which is touch us with his healing power. As we were finishing communion, I feel like the Lord would say, do not despise brokenness. For if even the Lord Jesus had to walk the path of brokenness in body, and in the garden he sweated drops of blood in prayer in order to submit his will to the fathers, in order to willingly walk that path, do you think that you will avoid he went first so that you could follow do not despise brokenness for it is in your weakness that he is made strong in you through you So let's worship him this morning. And let him, let him lead you in the paths of life. Because it's in humility. It's in humility and brokenness and weakness. These aren't my words. It's his word. And we live in a culture, church, in America, America. We make it all look good on the outside, and it matters to us. It matters to me. I like to look good. I like when my family looks good, but not at the expense of being real, being whole. So this is cultural, and the only way to get real is to do it intentionally. So as we worship, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Trust in his love and trust in him to hold you and hold you in your brokenness and to heal you this morning. Guys, I just want to sing that third verse. It just speaks of freedom, of being free. So I want us to sing that third verse together. Tessa will lead us in that. And I just want you to receive that this morning. Receive who he is, what he's done. He is our healer. And we want to worship him for it this morning. Praise you.
Praise you, Lord. Praise to Him, the King of kings. The Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So we confess this morning with our mouths and we bow before you. Jesus, you are Lord. You are our Savior, Redeemer, our friend, our healer, our provider. You are all things. We worship you for it this morning. Praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Praise you. Times when I come to church, I never want it to be over. I think the reason being is just when we're in His presence, man, everything changes. When we're in His presence, lives are transformed. When we're in His presence, sick are healed. When we're in His presence, the lost are saved. This morning before we close, if you're here today and you feel this tugging on the inside, I can tell you what that is. That is God calling you. He is calling you by name today to take the next step with him. He is tugging on your heart. He's pulling on your heart. And he sees you and he's saying, Son, daughter, I love you. I sent my son to die for you. Receive all that I have for you this morning. Receive Everything that the cross represents this morning. If that's you this morning, everyone's eyes are closed, head is bowed. If that is you this morning, if you feel that tugging on your heart saying, I need to do something differently. I need Jesus in my life. I know it. I feel it. If that's you today, raise your hand. Mm. I see your hands. Anybody else? Now, normally during a service, we all join together and do a prayer all together, but today I feel led that if you raise your hand, I would like you to meet Pastor Liz and I right up here, up front. If that was you, if you put your hand up, just meet me right up here. Right now, just come on forward. Come on. Come on, man. Praise you, Lord. Church, just begin to rejoice. Begin to rejoice. As he calls those to him. Just stretch your hands out as we pray. Praise you, Lord. Lord, we could sing of your love forever. Lord, we thank you that your mercy endures forever. We thank you, Lord. We rejoice in heaven today for lives being transformed. We worship you. We worship along with the angels this morning. We thank you, Lord, for lost being saved, the sick being healed for lives being transformed. And Father, as we close, we just speak a blessing over families, 
Father, we just pray for every family in here, Lord. A blessed anointing over them. A blessed anointing over them this morning. Father, that you would begin to show them ways that they can thrive as a family like they've never thrived before. But that you are strengthening marriages even as we pray today. Lord, that you are strengthening relationships between moms and dads and their children, between grandparents and their grandchildren. Father, we thank you that you make a way and that you are the only way. As we close, I want to read this benediction. It's one of my favorite ones. It says, Now to him who is able, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him, church. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen and amen. We love you guys. There'll be some prayer teams up here that can pray with you. If you, didn't, if you need prayer for anything else that wasn't covered today, you can come up here and get prayer. Otherwise, you are dismissed. We love you. Enjoy that new parking lot as you're making your way out. Nice and smooth.